right, all right. Day 210. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we pick up uh, in Ezekiel chapter 5. And Ezekiel uh, is still giving these prophecies of judgment for the rebellious house of Israel. Last time we talked about how Ezekiel is this exilic prophet priest he's in exile he's in the trenches with the people of god and he's prophesying to the people of god and so ezekiel 5 comes and we have this prophetic sign act again that symbolizes god's judgment here in this text remember the prophets often did these weird uh signs to act out their message right and so the lord asked ezekiel to shave his head and take a third of the hair and burn it (laughs) another third of the hair and chop it another third to go and spread to the wind. Now, this um, sign act hits a little different because I am in Scotland and um, I am an African-American man and we need our hair cut in a certain kind of way. And so uh, I identify and mourn, uh, I weep with those who weep here with um, my man Ezekiel because that haircutting ain't no joke. And so he's mourning all of these things. He's uh, shaving his head. All these things are uh, symbol- symbols of um, of uh, uh, yeah, mourning, uh, mourning in the ancient world. And so what he, what he does here though, uh, is in the sign act, it shows that uh, each third uh, symbolizes something that would happen to the people of God, right? Like it, it shows that, yeah, God's people would perish right there in Jerusalem uh, during the Babylonian invasion, right? And some some were taken away and dispersed like, dispersed, like a third of the hair. Some were actually uh, destroyed, right, in the siege, like uh, the hair that is, that is burned. Um, but also there is uh, another <laughs> piece of the hair. It, it shows in this text, one of the things that's overlooked, is that a few pieces of it are kept right and tucked in his robe? Why? Because the Lord, listen, the Lord, even in this prophetic zonic, even in this act of judgment, he, he shows that um, he promises to keep a remnant, right? A faithful few that he will use to carry forth his purposes. I love it. Verse five comes and says, this is what the Lord God says. I have set this Jerusalem in the center of the nations with countries all around her. She has rebelled against my ordinances with more wickedness than the nations, right? And against my statues more than the countries that surround her. Stop right there. Again, Israel was worse than the nations that surrounded them, even though they knew God, right? For her people, it says, have rejected my ordinances and have not walked in my statues. In other words, my people that know me have been acting worse than those that don't know me. In other words, to apply it to the backside of the cross, to apply it to our contemporary setting, sometimes it's not that the church and God's people act like the world. It has been painfully, embarrassingly true that God's people have acted worse than the world, right? And this this thing this thing is old as Ezekiel, right? This thing is old as the ancient world, right? It it was going on here. They were to be a light to the nations. Isaiah forty two six, Isaiah forty nine six. They were to be a, a kingdom of priests. Exodus nineteen six. They were to be this holy set apart nation for God, and they miserably failed, right? And it's so and so Ezekiel is giving these prophecies he says no because of all your detestable practices i will do to you what i have never done before and what i will never do again as a result fathers will eat their sons within jerusalem and sons will eat their fathers i will execute judgments against you and scatter all your survivors to every direction of the wind the whole language about um people eating people right it's not that the lord uh is endorsing cannibalism, right? It's it's that the God is being faithful to his covenant. In the in the in the old covenant, remember the book of Deuteronomy, right? 
Ezekiel was just preaching that. He's preaching the same text, fam. And all he's saying is this. The famine. Remember, sword, famine, and plague summarize the curses. He's just preaching the curses. He says the famine will be so bad that people will resort. There will be no food. People will resort to the worst thing possible, right? Taking each other out. Um, and so um, this text is just being clear, man, that uh, our, con our, our sin has uh, deep abiding uh consequences right and the lord is just trying to share with his people his heart towards them that he loves them that he wants them to walk in faithfulness because he knows where their sin will lead them chapter six comes and another word comes to my man ezekiel and it's the idea that basically he says i want you to turn to the mountains and prophesy against them right they will be destroyed now this again shows god's adverse attitude to his people and the fact that mountains and the high places we've talked about this before the mountains and the high places in the ancient world was was where um, people went to sacrifice to other gods so for yahweh to say this uh to, to prophesy against the mountains he is saying to him no no i'm indicting them for idolatry Right. God had already revealed himself on Mount Sinai and they are um, so they were supposed to worship him at Mount Zion. Right. Where the temple was built in Jerusalem in the southern kingdom. And they are worshiping other gods on other mountains. Right. And so the Lord is clear, like, no, 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 I need you to prophesy against that idolatry. However, once again, the Lord promises a remnant, even though he's going to scatter his people, he will still keep a faithful few that will outlive the judgment and uh, use them to bring about his redemptive purposes uh, in the world. I love what he says, too, in verse 14. He says, after all this, he says, then they will know that I am the Lord. Now, it's interesting because all throughout the book of Ezekiel, the Lord is going to say he's going to bring judgment. And then people will know that I'm the Lord. Right. I'm going to bring judgment. People will know that I'm the Lord. What is he saying? Well, the thing that he's trying to, to bring about here and show is that God's character is revealed in his display of judgment right he's revealed in his display of judgment now the same language is used in the exodus right where god brought about salvation right for his people but also judgment against pharaoh in egypt right and so the lord is just saying no no my holiness and my justice uh uh that i display in bringing this judgment reveals who i am right it's the way i make myself known right i i am the god exodus 34 6 that doesn't leave evil unpunished right i am the god who is indifferent to unrighteousness and the lord is just trying to make that clear here that for his people to know him is for his people to know that about him ezekiel 7 comes and i love what what happens early on in this text it says doom has come on you inhabitants of the land the time has come hear this the day is near there will be panic on the mountains and not celebration listen over 200 times in the prophetic lit literature the day or the day of the lord is spoken about right and here in this particular context it is speaking about god's judgment right again most of the prophets use it to talk about the exile but sometimes it is also also meant to speak of the end time judgment and so ezekiel here is just pulling on the prophetic thread and he's saying no 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 like I get it. Y'all may not see it now. Well, technically they're in exile, but um, uh, most of the prophets are like, no, no, no. y'all may not see the full judgment now, but like I'm telling you, the day of the Lord is coming. And in 19, he gives us a little insight into the kinds of sin they were caught up in. He says, uh, you know, they will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will seem like something filthy, filthy. 
their silver and gold will <clears throat> be unable to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. They will not satisfy their appetites or fill their stomachs, for these were the stumbling blocks that brought about their iniquity. In other words, Ezekiel is saying, how much of our sin can as people be traced back to the misuse, abuse, and worship of wealth, of finances, of money, right? He says, how many of us have sinned out of fear of losing money? It's amazing that God is addressing these things in this text. And this is extremely applicable to our current age and day, right? He says, not only can money not save you on the day of wrath, it ultimately can even satisfy you in the everyday, in your everyday life, right? And he says, in many cases, it's the origin of sin. He, he sounds like Paul in 1 Timothy 6, who's like, no, no, no. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Ezekiel is preaching in this text. And he ends the chapter saying, no, no, no. Like, the land is filled with bloodshed, right? It is filled with pride. It is filled with violence, right? And the Lord hates these things, right? Israel was guilty of not just idolatry, once again, but grave injustice. Now, remember, many of us hear the prophets and like, man, God is just so uh, so stern and so strict. This is centuries. No, 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 centuries of this stuff. And like the language of this text, especially Ezekiel 7, is so good because um, it, it, it gives us echoes and resonances of Genesis chapter six, right? Where he says, you know, violence filled the land. It's the same language used in Genesis six to talk about the times of Noah, right? When the intentions of every heart was wicked before the Lord. And he talked about how violence, sometimes translated wickedness, use the same word, uh, filled the land. And so, so what the Lord will do, listen, the Lord is going to do, he's going to bring a judgment analogous to the flood <laughs> in Noah's time, in the time of of Ezekiel. I think one of the things we can learn from this is not just that the Bible connects and is super cool. Yes, that, but also that the Lord like really hates violence. He really hates the shedding of innocent blood. And so guess what? His people should too, right? His people should too. God is not just telling us these things so that we will know what happened a long time ago, but so that we'll live more faithfully in the present day. Ezekiel 8, last chapter of this bunch. Um, easily, right? A low point in scripture, right? And so God is going to take Ezekiel up in a vision and lets him go back to Jerusalem to see what's actually going on there. So remember, um, the final siege of Jerusalem has not taken place when Ezekiel's time, but he lets him go back to Jerusalem and see what happens there. Listen to the language of the text. He said, he said to me, son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his idol for they are saying the Lord does not see us the Lord has abandoned the land again he said to me you will see even more detestable acts that they are committing so we see in this text and all throughout the chapter that um the people of God are wilding right they have set up idols in the temple and one of the reasons that they continue to sin and one of the reasons you and I continue to sin is because deep down we believe we'll never get caught, right? Listen to what they say. They say, no, 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 like the Lord doesn't see us, right? Literally, they are doing this thing in the dark, quote unquote, and they have become overcome with darkness themselves. The people of God, again, construct idols inside of the temple. So in other words, Ezekiel is saying, no, no, the place where you to worship, where you were, where, where um, Israel was to worship the Lord, the one true God was the exact place where they were worshiping false gods, right? And he's saying, no, they have defiled the temple. God doesn't share his 
throne with anyone or anything. It ain't room for nobody else, right? And so after that, he takes him outside and folks are there bowing down to the sun, <laughs> right? And so this is why God is like, I can't do this, right? I'm not going to dwell here anymore. The temple, the sacrificial system, the place of worship has become corrupt. God must tear this temple down. And guess what? Build a new one, right? Destruction must come in Ezekiel time, in Ezekiel's time. And destruction is the only path to restoration. Let's pray. God, we ask uh, that we will remember uh, just our fickleness, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't think we can get away with uh, sin because uh, man's heart is open before you and you see all things. I pray that this text would not just convict us of who you are, but also of what you have 